Amen. Let's stand all over the house this evening. Let's begin this night's service by singing the Christmas carol, Angels We Have Heard on High. Let's sing together. Angels we have heard on high, sweetly singing o'er the plain, and the mountains in reply, echoing their joyous strain. standing for prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just love you and we thank you, Lord, that we have the opportunity to come into your house tonight to once again worship you and to celebrate the joy of Christmas. Now, God, as we worship you in this place today, Father, I pray that every note that is played, song that is sung, scripture read, message given, would be for the upbuilding of the kingdom of God. And we give you all the praise and the glory and the honor that is due your name. In Christ Jesus, our Lord, we pray. And the people of God together said amen. 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 Will you take the next few moments and greet those around you this evening in the Lord before we jump back into worship.
Let's stand all over the house again and let's jump back into worship.
sing that one more time. Let's sing that together. thank you that you are God with us and that God that you still even thousands of years later you let your presence be felt tangibly emotionally relationally God we feel your presence Father thank you for the worship that has been offered up in this building today both this morning and tonight Father I pray for those like Sister Patricia Lambert and others who God, today, were providentially hindered from being here due to sickness. Others had to work. That's why they were not here. Some were traveling. But God, you were here today, and you were here tonight. And we thank you for that presence that we feel. Father, be with us as we break the bread of life. That God, your word is seen and heard and spoken, not my words to be heard or spoken. And God, we will commit the remaining portion of this service like the previous part of this service, into the loving arms and care of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray. And the people of God together said amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, I want you to go with me to the book of James, chapter uh, number one. The book of James, chapter number one. We're going to begin reading in verse number 17, just one verse of Scripture. James chapter 1, verse 17, just one verse of scripture. A very familiar story, a very familiar passage of scripture, but going to be used in a little different perspective when we're talking about the Christmas story. James chapter 1, we're going to begin in verse 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. God gives them all. The good ones, the best ones. And it comes down from the Father of lights from heaven, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Meaning God is not a respecter of persons. If God will give it to me, he'll give it to you. If God will give it to you, he'll give it to me. God's gift that he gave us thousands of years ago was not just for one group of people or one yeah, nation. I know we talk about the nation of Israel. We talk about God's chosen people. But Christ came for everybody. He came that all might know him. All might come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So tonight I want to talk to you briefly on gifts that keep on giving. Gifts that keep on giving. Let's pray together. Eternal Father, I pray God that you would anoint my lips of clay, that I may decree and declare the words of God. Help me to speak your word, not mine. Help me to, Lord, decree and declare 
the heart of your message and the meaning of why you came. Father, be with us for the next few moments as we go on this journey together. We pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and the people of God together said amen. Amen. You may be seated. I don't know about you. Maybe you're a little bit different than uh, some of my occurrences when it comes to gifts and gift giving. But everybody always seems to try to, around this time of the year, the holidays, to find the perfect gift. You know, they want that perfect gift to encapture and to encapsulate uh, 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 what, what their heart is saying. I started thinking about that, and I thought there are some gifts, though, that you love. You love getting them. Like the, the, the husband, the wife, the kids, whoever, they got it right this year. They got the right gift. It was perfect. Then, if you're like me, sometimes you get gifts that you don't really know what to do with them. You don't know what to say. You, you appreciate the thought behind it. You just don't really know what to do with the gift. You know, most people get tired of the socks, the underwear, all that kind of stuff. But you know, every so often you'll get this random gift. And someone's like, oh, I was thinking of you. <coughs> Excuse me. And you'll shred the box open. You'll tear the wrapping paper open. And you'll look inside the box and you'll go, oh, thank you. What is it? What do you do with it? Oh, well, it's a whatever, whatever. If you're like me, you know, while you appreciate the jest and the gesture behind it, it can be somewhat disappointing because you got your art set, somebody got you a gift, you're excited, you can't, and you're wrapping it up, you're throwing all the paper where you're excited, you open it up, and it's like, okay, thanks. It's not that you don't appreciate the thought, it's just what do you do with that gift? I remember one year, I, uh, my, uh, it was a joke, so it didn't actually, wasn't my gift. But one year, everybody was getting a gift. I was still, I was with Brianna, everybody was getting a gift, and I opened my box, and it was a tire gauge, and I thought, yay, like, that's my Christmas gift, a tire gauge. I kind of bought that any time of the year, like, Christmas is supposed to be where somebody buys you the gift you didn't want to pay for. That's what Christmas is. <laughs> okay, that's just me. Okay, none of y'all have that problem. Okay, so see, when I do my Christmas wish list and, and people say, you know, Brianna says, Jonathan, what do you want? I give her gifts I don't want to pay for. If I don't want to pay for them, it's not Christmas. I'll just go buy it. So if it's something I don't want to have to pay for, I give those gifts on my Christmas list be like, mm, a car. I'm not paying for that one. You can do that. That's what she got this year for Christmas. She got a car. I got payments. I don't know how that works, but that somehow that's how that works. So, uh, yeah, she gets the gift that, I got the gift that keeps on giving. It's called interest. She, she gets to drive <laughs> while I'm on interest. Um, but, uh, but no, but you get these gifts, right? And uh, so I started doing some research. And, man, I, I want to help you today. I found some things that, one, you shouldn't get your wife. And, two, things you should never say to your wife when it comes to this. One gentleman said, hey, honey, I've noticed you've gained some weight in your rear end, and the dresses you wear remind me of my old girlfriend. Where did you get those shoes? I think they're pretty lame. Uh, will you stop talking to me? I'm trying to watch the game. If you're a man who wants to live a long and happy life, these are the things you never say to your wife. 
One guy said, I planned a hunting trip next week on your birthday. I didn't ask you because I knew you'd say it's okay. Will you make me some dinner, dear, while I watch this fishing show? I accidentally taped it over our old wedding video. If you're a man who wants to live a long and happy life, these are the things you don't say to your wife. Another man said, your cooking is okay, but not like mother makes. The diamond ring I bought you, honey, I actually think it's a fake. Your eyes look pretty puffy, dear, and are you feeling ill? Happy anniversary and Merry Christmas. I bought you a treadmill. <laughs> if you're a man who doesn't want to get stabbed with a knife, these are the things you don't say to your wife. You see, gifts sometimes that you give, that keep on giving, you know, you, you probably shouldn't buy your wife a treadmill for Christmas. Because she's not going to take that as this great gift. She's going to infer you want her to use the treadmill. Which means she's going to go through, let me just put, let me put it in layman's terms. My wife's at a Christmas party tonight, so she's not here. So I can, get, I can say what I want to. And her brother's not here. So I can still say it because he's at the Christmas party too. So I can say whatever I want. They don't even watch live stream. If I were to come this year at Christmas and I were to have bought an elliptical machine or a treadmill and said, Merry Christmas, Brianna. I bought you a treadmill. She is not going to be excited about that gift. Her first thing's going to be, why'd you buy me a treadmill? Oh, baby, it was on sale. I just thought, you know, I've heard you say you want to get back in better shape and things like that, so I was thinking of you. That's not how she's going to process it. She's going to process it as, so you say I'm fat. No, babe, I did not say that. Well, then why'd you buy me a treadmill? You know I wanted Nespresso spoons and I wanted chocolate-covered coffee beans. Why did I get a treadmill? Well, see, what I was thinking, honey, is when you ate those chocolate-covered coffee beans, it would give you energy to use the treadmill. Right? Okay? See, that's a wonderful gift idea in theory, though it's not a good gift idea at all in theory. There are gifts that you, you get sometimes that you, you don't, you know, you know I've, I've often heard people talk about sharing things. There are some gifts you don't want to keep giving, like upset stomach. You know, Pepto-Bismol made, you know, a, a huge multi-million dollar campaign about upset stomach and diarrhea. And they go through the whole nine yards and Pepto-Bismol fixes it all. When you get the flu or you get a stomach bug, you, you don't want it to keep giving. You want it to cease and desist. You don't want to keep giving that. That's not a gift you want to keep sharing. If you're like my wife, as soon as one person sneezes three times and even coughs, she's spraying you down with Lysol. Not the germ. She's spraying you with Lysol. Like, we bypass washing the sheets. We go straight to the sword. <laughs> I mean, you're walking in, you better hope nobody in your house smokes because you'll go up in flames because you're like doused in, you know, cleaning supplies. You see, gifts can be, be good. They can be exciting. You know, for Brianna, like I said, she got a car. You know, for other folks, you may get, you know, whatever you've been looking for. Maybe it's some gift that you didn't even expect. Gifts are a token of showing, if you will, we can use gifts to show others how we feel about them. We do it at anniversaries. We do it at, at uh, birthdays. We do it at Christmas. Special occasions every so often in between the year. 
And the idea behind it is to show that loved one or to show that person that you took thought of them. Now, the treadmill says a lot about what you were thinking. But depending on the gift, it can speak volumes as to the intent behind it. And so when we talk about this, I I read to you tonight in our reading in James chapter 1 and verse 17 that God is the God of the good and perfect gift. God gives the best of the best. God doesn't just give mediocre gifts. He gives great gifts. He gives the top of the line. He gives the best of the best. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. Comes down from the fall of lights when there is no variation or shadow of turning. The best gifts. You and I can give good gifts. You know, you could come to me and you could give me, you know, a beautiful clock. Or you could give me a beautiful you know, painting or picture, and that means a lot. Don't get me wrong. You know, somebody else could give you a car, give you whatever. No one's gift even comes close in value and comparison to the gifts God gives. You can't put a price tag on his gifts. I can go spend $5,000 for a signed and numbered Jim Booth or Madeline, you know, Madeline Carroll print to hang in my house, and that's an expensive gift. I can go buy a car for umpteen thousand dollars, and that's a good gift. But you can't buy God's gift. You can't afford it. In reality, you cannot put a tag on it because there's not a tag to be put on it. You go to Walmart, they got these, you know, let me back up and say this. That day I went to Walmart, not yesterday. This was before all the pandemonium of Christmas. And I was walking through, and Brother James, I discovered that somebody gets paid a lot of money to make the ugliest sweater in town. I feel like that's a job I could do really good at. If you want hideous clothing, I can help you make hideous clothing. You mean you to tell me if I'm sitting there stitching all this together, boss man walks down and says, hey, look, I need you to make the ugliest sweater you have ever seen in your life and we're going to pay you a lot of money to make it. That sounds like an easy job. You don't have to be good to make ugly sweaters. The whole term is called ugly for a reason. We want it to be ugly. Like not something you wear. So I'm looking at him and I thought these must be the clearance section. I bet you these sweaters are like five bucks. I should buy one of them and wear it to the church Christmas party on December the 3rd. I should wear one because these things are hideous. These are like, the, uh, I mean, a child could have made a sweater that was better than that. I flip over the price tag, $34.99. I said, holy smokes. I wouldn't give you a dollar, and I would ask you to pay me back for the dollar if I had to wear that, and you want me to pay you $35 for this ugly piece of clothing? Right? Somebody thought it was valuable. I thought that's the ugliest thing I've ever seen in my life. My wife comes home. A couple days later, she said, hey, I was at TJ Maxx today, and I bought a sweater. <coughs> I said, oh, really? She said, yeah. She said, you want to see it? I said, sure. She pulls out a sweater that's hunter green. This is a true story. Hunter green, Christmas green. For the window, all it has on the whole shirt, the whole shirt, in cursive lettering, it just has the word joy. That's it. Not joy to the world, not joy to all the good boys and girls, just J 
O, Y, and little tiny cursive. That's it. Everything else is hunter green, dark green, Christmas green, little, about this big, cursive joy. That's it. Nothing ornate. I said, oh, that's cool. How much did that cost? It couldn't have been that expensive. I mean, it didn't take a lot of work. Joy. You didn't have to stitch a lot of words. Didn't even come with a picture. I mean, I'm the kind of person, if you're going to make me wear a sweater, at least put like a penguin, a dog, put something on it. Give me, make it like a picture book. I can read it. No, just joy. $25. I said, babe, I could have took a Sharpie on the clothes you have now and write joy, and it's free. Why would I pay $25 for somebody else's word joy? I was like, and that's not really true. That shirt lies. And she said, why do you mean, what do you mean it lies? I said, because every man that's wife bought that shirt did not have joy when he found out his wife paid $25 for that. That's a lie. That's not joy. You see, there are gifts that, that we like to get and receive, and, and, and we do that. But all the way back from the foundations of time, God had a plan, all the way back from Adam and Eve's day, to make sure that we understood how much he loved us. Even from the Garden of Eden, we see the, the handiwork of God, not just in creation of trees and animals, but we see the creation of of humanity with the tender loving hands of God because when it came time to make man the Bible is very ornate in its detail that God formed us and fashioned us from the dust of the ground animals and trees and land he spoke through the power of the Holy Spirit and through Jesus the living word it came to existence but you and I were formed and fashioned by God's tender loving hand and the Ruah, the breath of Almighty God, breathed into our nostrils to give us life and a life source. Even when we screwed it up by sinning in the garden and getting separated from God because of our prideful natures. Even in that moment, God still in His tender mercy and grace created a blood sacrifice through an animal and provided clothing for Adam and Eve. And, and through that that blood sacrifice began the idea of a blood covenant between God and humanity for reconciliation. And from Genesis all the way until modern day, that story has been interwoven and intertwined throughout human history with that same story. The Mosaic laws and covenants were all about blood sacrifices at the temple and at the tabernacle. But there came a point, Brother James, it was becoming a little bit too tedious it was too hard to find turtle doves every week. It was hard to have enough cattle. The, the, the amount of responsibility and weight it took on someone to daily or weekly have to take sacrifices to the priests for this to happen be, became daunting. And so God, in His love and mercy, once again came up with another plan. He said, what if I were able to find a sacrifice that was the supreme sacrifice? One that would fix it all. You wouldn't have to worry about physical animals. Somebody else could symbolically be a blood covenant between God and humanity. And he could fix it once and for all. The old songwriter said that God searched through heaven trying to find that answer. One willing to do that. And of all the people that were qualified, only one rose to the top. God's son. He was the only one that could do that task. He was the only blameless one. 
He was the only one that was described as the perfect Lamb of God. When Jesus came down, he didn't come down just to bring Christmas. He came down to die. I mean, even before he left heaven, he knew, I'm living, I'm going down to earth to live a life with the intentionality of dying to save just one. Just to save one person. You see, it was a blood sacrifice. We know throughout the course of the story of Christ, and we talk about it a lot around the Easter season, his body bled in various places, his brow, his beard, his back, his body. Blood was everywhere. You know, probably the most realistic re- I guess you would say a picture of this, the closest thing I've ever seen that I think really could recapture what it might have been like was when Mel Gibson did his, his movie, The Passion of the Christ. Now understand, there was actors. That was a lot of makeup and special effects. But I remember when the movie came out and a group of us from, from the church I was at at the time went to the Somerville Theater. We went in the whole group. When they got to the point where they beat Jesus, even though it was Hollywood and green screens, and you knew it, there's no way a guy with broken glass and shard bones and rock and, and all kinds of, of nails and, 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 and coarse metal, no, no way in real life they're hitting a man like that. that that's, you know, obviously we know that subconsciously in your mind that's not really happening you know there's flesh colored body suits that have plates in them and there's you know they have all those special effects but even with all the special effects it was so lifelike and real and the amount in that particular movie of blood you see at Pilate's Praetorium where he's beaten is, is, is overwhelming to watch on a screen but the sad reality of that is, is that that doesn't even come close to what it really was, what it really was like. In fact, they say that if Jesus would have been hit one more time, scientists tell us that it would have literally ripped up his entire internal organ system and just removed it from his body. That's how grotesque this was. See, Christmas is about gifts, but you can't put a price tag on what Jesus did to being the supreme gift for humanity. I've not seen anybody else sign up to do that. I've not heard anybody else that said they wanted to walk the road Jesus walked like that for the sake of, and you know, he did it knowing full well there was no guarantee that everybody would accept the gift. But he still was willing to be the gift. Still willing to be the gift. The first thing I want you to understand is gifts have to, more often than not, they have to be wrapped. If you live in my house, you better wrap them or everybody's going to be trying to dig through the box to find out what's in it. I used to do gift bags. I quit that. That's stupid. If you do gift bags, you have better people in your family. Now, my people have mastered the art of moving the tissue paper, seeing what's in there, and then put a tissue paper back and act like they didn't touch the gift. Only problem is, Brother James, is when 
the person who shall remain nameless, Brianna, forgot which color bag she had the tissue paper from, and I knew the pink one, pink tissue paper was in one bag, and the blue was in the other one, and when she ripped open both boxes, she swapped the tissue paper, so I know somebody's been in the bags. Forgot to put the tissue paper back in the right bag. So now I wrap them. True story. Hand to heaven. Every time Christmas rolls around, Brianna and I have this nice, sentimental, we never argue, we discuss things. We never have, we never argue, we just have loud discussions from time to time. And I sat down and had a discussion the other night, a couple weeks ago, and I said, Brianna, Christmas is coming. I felt like I was talking to a child at that moment. Do not go on the Amazon account and look at anything if you have a question. I will not hide it from you. Ask me, but please do not go on there and check some Amazon order. I have ordered some things on Amazon. I, listen to the word, I have ordered some things on Amazon. You stay off. Are we on the same page? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I checked my Amazon on Thursday. Thursday morning, I look at it. It says, item delivered out for delivery today. I knew what it was. I ordered it. Me. All about me right now. I'm in my basketball game. It's very rare that my wife ever texts me in the middle of a game, but every so often she will. She texts it, are you busy? I was like, that's odd. You know I'm in a basketball game. So I texted back and said, sort of, what's up? And she said, I had a oopsie. Those of you who don't know what oopsie is, that's Brianna's thing of saying she's Screwed something up and messed it up, and I have to fix it. That's what oopsies are. I said, what do you mean you had an oopsie? I think I did something I wasn't supposed to do. Well, that's pretty obvious by this conversation already. I said, I'll be home shortly. Well, don't, get, don't be mad when you get home. I said, I don't even know what we've done yet. I know, but just remember how much you love I said, so what, you burned the house down and I don't have a house anymore? Like, what, what have you done? Not exactly. Well, James, I walk in the house. There's this package on the table. It's in a cardboard box that has Amazon tape around it that has a label, Sister Mary, on the top, the label that says Jonathan Vaughn, 377 Decatur Drive, Somerville, South Carolina, had my name on it. But somehow Amazon opened the box mysteriously for Brianna to just happen to see what's inside. I didn't know they could open your own gifts on Amazon. I thought they were supposed to not break the seal. I said, Brianna, you want to explain to me the box? Well, see what had happened was. I saw the box on the front porch and I took it inside. I said, did you not... Can, can you not read? Are you forgot how to read? No, I saw your name on it. Ding. So why did we open the gift? It was a Christmas gift, so pff, took care of that. Well, I thought maybe, just maybe, this, this is the truth, this is what she told me. I thought maybe I accidentally ordered something and forgot to switch the name and ordered it under your name instead. I said, so you mistakenly got on Amazon before. I said, we've been married for two years. You ordered 
$4.5 million worth of stuff on Amazon. I have stock in Amazon. In fact, I own part of Amazon from the stuff we've spent. And you have never has there been a package that showed up at this house with my name on it that I've opened up. And you go, oh, sorry, babe. That was supposed to be mine. I, I accidentally hit your name instead. But this time, you accidentally forgot to change your name on the account for my name. And Amazon even asked you, name, shipping address, billing address. And you somehow ordered something under my name, and you thought it was yours. I said, and if you just happened to do that, what is exactly did you think you ordered under my name? I don't know. I was probably just thinking that if I ordered under your name, you couldn't get mad about it, the money coming out of the account because you ordered it, not me. That's the truth. That's what she told me. <coughs> I thought to myself, am I having a real-life conversation? So, the other day, another gift came in. I immediately took that gift, sprinted through the house. She said, where are you going? I said, nowhere. Locked the bedroom door. Found wrapping paper and wrapped it. I came back outside under the tree. And she goes, why, what, what was that? I said, it was a gift. She said, well, why are you in such a frantic mode? I said, because I have nosy people that live in this house that open gifts that don't belong to them. So I have to find another way to find out if they're really in their gifts or not. But the reality of it is, that's what God did. God sent us a gift. We talked about it briefly this morning. But God sent us a gift in the form of his son. When the baby was born, he entered into this world naked. But Mary, the Bible says, in Luke's account, took farm cloth, farm animal cloth, uh, uh, cloths, swaddling clothes, and she wrapped him. The Bible actually says she wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in, in the manger. She wrapped a gift. It may not have been the prettiest wrapping paper. It may not have had snowflakes and joy to the world and, you know, tinsel and, you know, garland all over it. But she wrapped God's gift, the first gift God gave in human flesh. Mary wrapped it. Now, it didn't have a big illustrious celebration. When you buy a gift or you give a gift, you're giving it to someone special. The Bible tells us God so loved the world that he gave us his only son. It wasn't like Brother James, God had five other sons, and he goes, well, out of the five of you, one of you I don't really like, we'll use you. <laughs> Some of y'all have children like that, I know. I, you know, I've heard people pay their parents say all the time, I really don't have favorites. Yes, you do. You just don't say it. There's always that one. I mean, I'm my parents' favorite. Of course, I don't have competition, but I mean... I'm the greatest gift they've gotten. I'm the worst gift they've gotten. They don't really get a choice. I'm both good and bad. There's no competition there for it. No matter how bad I am, I'm better than the other alternative. You know. So um, the reality of it is, though, there are parents, I see people all the time, oh, well, I love all my kids the same. But somehow, while loving all the kids the same, there's that one kid that always goes with you to the store when the rest of them get to stay home with daddy. You don't want to deal with all them other crazy kids that you had. So you take that one because they're, oh, well, that one, you know, she likes shopping or she's, she's easy to deal with. So she's your favorite of all of them. You didn't take all 12 kids. You took one of 12. So that means the other 11, you said, not today, Satan. Not today. Not today. Dads do the same thing. I love my boy. He's my boy. Little girl walks in the house. How much money you want here, honey? Have all the money. Boy, get outside and wash the car. Like, what? I tell that to Brian all the time. I said, you are like spoiled. 
Like your brothers go over to your mom and dad's house. Your mom and dad have a laundry list of things. You come in there and you just kind of like bat your eyes twice. And your mom's like, I know you have a hard job. You can sit down. You don't have to help. I'm like, why? The rest of us are? What did she get a, a break from this from? Like, who, who died and made you special? But, but, but we give these gifts, right? When this gift came, let me give you a couple examples of what this gift brought. This baby, to a blind person, one day he was going to give them the gift of sight. To a deaf person, he was going to give them the gift of hearing for the first time. To a dumb person, he was going to give them the gift of speech. To a wounded person, he was going to give them the gift of healing. To the troubled of heart, he was going to give them the gift of peace. To the discouraged, he was going to give them the gift of joy. To the lonely, he was going to give them the gift of his presence. Ever abiding, Emmanuel, God with us. Twelve years later, he would stand in a temple and God's gift would teach scholars about the mysteries of God. But one thing about gifts is gifts can be received, but gifts can be rejected. You don't have to accept gifts. You know, somebody wraps you a gift and gives it to you, you can always say, no, 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 thank you. You might hurt their feelings. You might make them think long and hard before they do it again. But the reality of it is, gifts freely given can also be freely rejected. God's gift had that same situation. For the blind, they were excited to get the gift of sight. To the deaf, hearing. To the dumb, speaking. To the lame, walking. To the lonely, the presence of God. To the discouraged, peace. To the, to the hopeless, hope. But after about 30 years of the gift, 33 exact years, but a little over 30 years, the gift becomes not so exciting anymore. It, the newness had wore off. The shine and the luster of this gift 33 years later, Brother James, was not the same as it was when it started. And the world, many of them who had gotten eyesight, hearing for the first time, walked for the first time in many years, are the same ones that stand outside of the praetorium of Pilate. And when posed with the question of, I have two gifts I can give you this year, I can give you this man Barabbas, a notorious thief and murderer who has done so many vile things that it would make our heads spin. I can give you his freedom or I can give you this man called Jesus who has healed your eyes. Gave you lame, the lame to walk, the dumb to talk. He has fed 5,000 plus, plus men plus women and children on Judean hillsides. He's raised dead people from the dead. He, he's went to funerals and messed them up. Man, you didn't take Jesus to funerals. He'd screw a good funeral up. Like Shelly at Dial Murray would be out of business. She'd stop asking Jesus to come be the minister at her funeral home. She'd have a lot of business. Every time Jesus goes to a funeral, he turns it into a party and goes, get up. We're not staying around here. And dead people get up. I mean, all those people that received the gift for 33 years now are posed with the question of, do you accept the gift? And for many of them, they did not keep the gift. They rejected the gift. This time, they said, give us Barabbas. It's something new. 
We ain't seen Barabbas in a while. He's been locked away. That's something new, fresh. We don't want this man called Jesus crucified. Rejected the gift. They said we didn't want him. You see, gifts also, once they're rejected, you can go to Walmart or wherever you, that person got you the gift, and you can do what they call a gift exchange. You take it back and get their money or something of equal value. You can go and get what you want. You know, like your wife buys you, you know, a 48-count pack of socks. You say, oh, thanks, honey, I appreciate it. When she's not looking, you take them back, and you pocket the money, and you go to Zaxby's. It's a better trail. Oh, honey, thanks for my Zaxby gift card. I didn't buy you Zaxby's. Yes, you did. I don't have socks on, but I got Zaxby's today. Right? And you exchange the gift. To the world, they were willing to exchange God's gift for a lesser, not even, not even an equal value. They were willing to trade a gift for something of lesser value. Not even going to get full price. Once they rejected this gift, they crucified it. But isn't it just like God and his love and mercy to once again wrap his gift? This time, though, he wraps it in grave clothes. A man by the Joseph of Arimathea comes and picks up Jesus from off the cross. He takes him to his borrowed tomb in the garden. And they prepare his body for, for burial. They wrap him in linens. Wrap him. One of the things about Christmas that's so exciting is the excitement of watching children rip open the countless hours of paper you have, the countless hours of wrapping you have done, and the exhaustive amount of paper you have wasted off of trees. It doesn't matter if it took you 12 hours to wrap all the gifts. There's something about watching them shred paper. And I feel like my family, when you open up the gift, we don't really care about the paper. Brianna and my mother are cardboard box Nazis. Look, let me help you with something. I understand. I'm cheap. I'm frugal. Whatever word you want to use. I'm also lazy. I'm not saving a box for 12 years. I will buy a fresh box. I'm not keeping a box. So the next year, your socks still come in the same box that's come in the last 14 years. In fact, it still has the original thing that says socks on the first time you when you wrote on it. And you got it labeled 20, 2006. I've been getting socks in this box for two, since 2006, Mom. My wife's like, oh, hey, 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 hey. I don't care what you do the wrapping paper, but be gentle with the box. Don't mess up the box. What am I going to do with it? We're going to save it. We're going to use it again next year. Why? That's great. It's Christmas. I'm not cheap at Christmas. It's Christmas. You can't think of me any better than buying me a box. Like, I appreciate the gift, but my God, I didn't know it wasn't worth a box. A box, guy. It was a box. Right? So we're saving boxes. God's son is wrapped in grave clothes. Not really a pretty sight. But the wonder of Christmas for children is when they open up the box or the bag. And they see that thing they've been asking Santa for, or the thing they asked mom and dad for, and they get that gift. The wonder, the amazement in their eyes, the, the twinkle, the sparkle, it it's worth it. It's worth it. It doesn't matter if you sold your, your, your left kidney for it. You feel great that you're on dialysis for that gift. It doesn't matter. 
because it meant something to that child or that grandchild. I'm sure that's how the disciples felt when they went to the tomb that morning and Jesus is not there. They see the gift is unwrapped. The clothes are in the tomb. But what happened to what was inside the tomb, inside the box? And not too long from that, they're in an upper room and they're in a room together, locked away, and Jesus appears. Man, the excitement that had to be in the room. When the unwrapping, the unraveling, the revealing of God's gift was once again, this time though, in a glorified state where he is in an angelic or, or a, a divine embodiment. You see, it still ties back to Christmas. He came into this world and God wrapped him. He was the gift that keeps on giving. He was exchanged for a murderer and a thief. He was wrapped in grave clothes. But he unwrapped himself to prove he was God. And then he said, you know what? I've got to go away. This is why he's a gift that keeps on giving. I've got to go away to my heavenly father because I'm going to a place to build you mansions. So that one day where I am, you can be also. Thomas said, how are we going to get there? He said, because I'm the way. He said, but don't worry. I'm not going to leave you here by yourself. It's imperative that I go away because when I go, I'm going to send you a gift. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And he's going to come down from heaven and we're going to swap spots. And he's going to stay with you and abide with you and be with you until I come again. But don't worry. Next time when I come, I'm going to take you back with me this time. For you to see these mansions and these gates of pearl. So if Jesus is a gift that keeps on giving, what is my response? Well, one of my, my response is that I should consistently worship the gift that keeps on giving. You see, Jesus gave me something I could not afford. I couldn't buy salvation. I couldn't buy a mansion. I don't have that kind of money. I can't buy an entire city that has streets paved with gold. Or jeweled, bejeweled crystal that used to make walls and buildings. I barely, in the day and hour we live in now, you barely can, barely can afford your house. It's not a mansion, much less a mansion with the way these interest rates are. See, I couldn't, I don't have the money to buy it. But what are things I can give? Well, I give Jesus my worship. In Psalms 116 and verse 12, the Bible Tells us, the psalmist David says, what can I give back? What can I render to God for his benefits towards me? The things he's done, what can I give him? How can I come in even comparison to him? Life, joy, peace, healing, the food, the clothes, the health, the strength, the title to a mansion in heaven. He's given me so much. What, what can I give back close to that? In the Christmas story, we'll talk about it in a couple weeks. In the Christmas story, when Jesus turns about two and a half years old, a group of astrologers from the Middle, Middle Eastern period area, known as wise men, show up and they bring gifts. Now, we don't know how many wise men there were. There could have been 30. We don't know. Traditionally, we only think there's three because, well, there was only three gifts brought. That doesn't mean there weren't a couple guys that were cheap. I mean, look, I've been out eating before with buddies of mine. Five people go, but only three people help split the bill. I mean, look, you got some moochers. You got people that just tag along for the ride. 
Not everybody's paying their five dollars to have a nice appetizer at Applebee's. You know what I'm saying? I mean, everybody so they'll eat yours, but they ain't paying for it. You got your moochers. There could be ten wise men. We don't know. Only three of them brought gifts, though. And we'll talk at a different time about what they what they brought and why. But they brought a gift to honor the gift of all gifts. You see, what can I give him? One of the things about gifts is gifts should be given with love. When you give a gift, you're supposed to be showing your love to that person. That's why probably buying your wife a treadmill is not the best choice you could do. While you love her, you probably don't want her to think that you think she's fat. You just probably don't want to do that. It's just not not good. Okay? You know, if she's always wanted a cast iron skillet, and you find one, and she opens it up, that's a gift that keeps on giving. It's called biscuits. That's a good gift. I like gifts that keep on giving. Honey, I bought you a cast iron skillet. Let's try it out today. <laughs> like, a gift that I paid for it, my belly will thank me for it later. Like, let's talk, you know. It's a gift that keeps on giving. You see, the, the reality of it is that it's given in love. When I showed up at the house the other day with the car for Brianna, she was excited. She was thrilled. She wanted to get immediately, get in it. She wanted to drive it. She wanted to do all this stuff. And, that, and, and, and that's great. It was wonderful. It's good to see the excitement in your eyes wanting that. But the gift was given in love. I knew it was expensive. I was the guy. I was the man talking to the guy. I know how much it was going to cost me. I knew the payment. I knew the insurance. I already called the insurance company. I already knew. Oh, God, i got to sell the other kidney. I knew. It didn't matter. Because I wanted to give the gift love. It didn't matter the price at that point. It mattered about the gift. Cost wasn't the problem. It was I want to give this gift to my wife. God gave us his son out of love for God so loved the world. The greatest gift to humans is love. Everybody craves it. Everybody wants it. You got relationship gurus, people all over the world. Everybody is striving. They want to feel loved. And what, why Christmas is one of the most depressing also seasons of the year is because around that time, people begin to realize how unloved they really are, and it begins to bother them. They feel rejected and alone. There's never been more words written on a subject than love. There's never been more stories told about a subject than love. There's nothing that has been more inspiring to people or been inspired by it like love. In fact, when the Israeli lawyer came to Jesus and he said, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment of all time? What's the best? If you could, Jesus, if you could give me one, one law. You know, I'm a lawyer. I've been in courtrooms. I deal with people's nonsense all the time. Jesus, what's the greatest gift? I mean, not crazy. The greatest law, commandment, ever been given. Jesus didn't even bat an eye. He didn't say, don't kill people. He didn't say, don't steal. He didn't say, don't be disrespectful to your, to your elders. No, he said it all. He said the greatest commandment, number one, is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. 
The second one, though, is just about as good as that one. And you love your neighbors as yourself. Notice the two laws that he said were the greatest ones, both centered on love God, love people. That's it. You can splice it, dice it anyway. The answer is love God, love people. Jesus said that was the greatest. Love is the greatest thing. You see, gifts are worthless and unacceptable unless they are accompanied by a heart full of love. The Bible also tells us that we can give God not only our love and devotion to Him, but we can also give God us. That is what He wants in response. Though He is the gift that keeps on giving, the gift we can give back to Him is me. Romans 12 and 1 tells us, Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to the Lord. This is your reasonable act of service, of worship. You, you, you give yourself. That's what God wanted all along. Jesus gave his life for us. And the gift we give him back is our life to him. You can give him your talents. It's a gift that keeps on giving. Everyone has a talent. They're unique. Some play music. Some sing. Some decorate. You have talents. When you use them for God, it speaks volumes of how you feel. To God, you every year to God, you are on his gift-giving gift list. Every day he gives you breath in your body. He gives you a job to go to. He gives you food on your table. He gives you the means to have clothing. He gives you cars to drive. Everything you have is a daily gift given by God. Every day. Every day. But is God on your gift giving list? What are you going to give to God? What are the gifts and talents you can give? In fact, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 15, the Bible describes it as the Apostle Paul saying, Thanks be unto God for this indescribable gift. Thanks be to God for a gift I can't explain. And he's talking about Jesus. But he's saying, thank, I thank God for the gift that just blows my mind. It's that kind of good. It's that gift. Now remember what we read. Don't misread. Every good gift, every perfect gift is from above. What the Apostle Paul is saying in 2 Corinthians 9, 9 he's saying, look. He said, I can't explain it to you. Can't really wrap my mind around it. But God's gift of Christ is indescribable. It's the best of the best. It's, it's top notch. I was reminded, Miss Carol, as you make your way, I was reminded of what it might look like to realize that you have the power in a moment to make God smile on God's face. The gift you could give God. There was a little boy. His name was Wally. He was a seventh grader. He was asked to be in the school pageant for Christmas. Wally went to Sunday school at a local church. But Wally was born in not a good home life. His mother was an alcoholic. And so Wally... Because of that, being an alcoholic baby, Wally was a little slow. He had a little bit of mental deficiency. He still could count, conversate and stuff, Brother James, but he wasn't what we would say optimum because of the effects of his mother's decision. He not only did not have all the mental faculties that the rest of the class had, but he, he 
always tried his best to be the best he could be. So when the Christmas time came at the school for them to put on this reenactment of the story of Jesus and the nativity, they began to give out parts and Wally wanted to be in the play. Well, the teacher knew there's no way that Wally would be able to remember an exhaustive amount of lines because of his, his deficiency. So she thought, Wally, I got just the part for you. You can be the innkeeper. She said, there's not a lot of lines, Wally, but you can be the innkeeper. They had practiced. Wally had been coached. He was ready for his big night. The night came for the Christmas play. Mary and Joseph show up at Bethlehem. They arrive at the inn. They knock on the door. Wally, the innkeeper, opens the door and said, What do you want? Just as mean and gruff like the teacher instructed him to be. Joseph, one of Wally's classmates, said, We need a room, a place to stay for the night. Wally said, well, you'll have to find somewhere else. There's no room here. There's no room in the inn. Joseph said, but my wife's expecting a baby just any time now. Isn't there somewhere we can stay where we can be protected from the cold where she can deliver a child? Wally, just like he was coached, said, no. I said, there's no room in the inn. Then suddenly there was a silence that hushed across the stage. It was one of those embarrassing moments where you knew somebody had forgotten to say something and no one knows what to do next. From behind the curtains, the audience could hear the teacher whispering, trying to tell Wally, tell him to go, be gone, leave. Wally was supposed to tell them goodbye, but he just kept standing there. I don't know if he got choked up or what, but he forgot the line to, be, to say, leave, be gone. Finally, after a long pause that lasted several seconds, Wally managed to say, that'll be all, you can go now. Mary and Joseph, being the actors that they were in the school pageant, their face turned sad and they began to leave. Just as they did, the teacher began to notice Wally's complexion to change. Wally began to have big tears come in the side of his eye. Unprompted by the play, unprompted by the teacher, in fact, never had been rehearsed ever this before, with a tear streaming down his eye, with the innocence of a child with limited mental capacities, Wally said, wait, wait a minute. There's no room in the inn, but I have a room. You can stay at my house. Not a dry eye left in the room. As Wally had what seemed like ruined the play. A fictitious reenactment of the story of Jesus, but a heart of a child that said, there's no room on this stage, but you could come stay at my house, Jesus. The director, no doubt, ready to pull her hair out because she knew her play was ruined. But was it really? Wally got it right. 
There may not be room for you, Jesus, in the world. There may no be no more room in the end for you, Jesus. But Jesus, you can always come stay at my house. I'll make a room for you. I'll make a room for you, Jesus. The world may not want you. The world may reject you. The world may turn their back on you. But Jesus, I got a room. You can stay at my house. You see, this year at Christmas, for some people, the chaos, the pandemonium, the stress of Christmas will no doubt be daunting. But just like it was 2,000 plus years ago, there's a lot of people that still reject the gift of God, have no desire for the gift of God, and symbolically still say today to God, there's no room for you, God, in my life. But if we could just have the mental capacities of a seventh grade little boy by the name of Wally, who did not have all the mental capacities and faculties like other kids his age, but he did have one thing right. When there's no room for Jesus anywhere else, Jesus, you can always come stay with me. I have a room you can stay in. Isn't that what Christmas is all about? Jesus, you're a gift that I can't describe. Thanks be unto God for this indescribable gift. When nobody else wants you, Jesus, don't worry. I'll always have room for you in my heart, Jesus. That's what Christmas is all about. And can I tell you that if you accept that gift of Jesus Christ this year, not just the salvation, but just the wonder of all wonders of your life, He'll be a gift that keeps on giving. A friend that sticks closer than a brother. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. He will always be as close as the mention of his name. He'll be a very present help in time of trouble. He'll be a gift that keeps on giving. Let's pray. Eternal Father, I've done my best today to preach your word to your people. Father, I ask tonight that you would have let the words that have been spoken be encouraging God, and Lord, help us to be challenged this Christmas season by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, I pray as we get ready to go to and fro our destination from this place, that God, you would bless us and keep us. You make your face shine upon us. You'd be gracious to us. You lift up your countenance towards us and give us a peace that surpasses all human understanding. Guard our hearts until you come again. And Father, let the words of our mouth and meditation of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O oh Lord, our strength and Redeemer. Father, I pray this in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people together said amen. amen. I'm going to ask you to stand all over the house. I'm going to ask Brother Mike King to pray our benedictory prayer. Immediately following this prayer, you'll be pre-dismissed. Don't be, forget we have Wednesday night Bible study this week. Uh, as well as CLM graduation on Sunday night. We'll have regular service, but on Sunday night, CLM graduation here. Brother Mike, would you pray for us today?